we have been talking about the first New Testament Christians and their devotion to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of the bread in worship, to the fellowship, to the prayers, to serving one another as Christ has served them. And last week, uh, Eric reminded us of the purpose of gathering in worship together is to see the glory of God, to see ourselves undone by it, to see Jesus, the sacrifice, given to us for the forgiveness of our sins and to see the Spirit send us out in service. Today and next week, we're going to talk about how God uses the Word of God in our lives um, so that we can know how captivated He is with His bride. Let's uh, look at two places in John, John chapter 5 briefly, and then our main text will be in John chapter 20, near the end of the book. Hear the word of the Lord, John chapter 5, 39 through 40. Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And now turn to John chapter 20. This is the day, um, this is right after Jesus was resurrected, and just before this passage, Jesus has shown up unannounced in uh, the room where the disciples were gathered uh, on the day of his resurrection. The doors were locked, and he appeared before them. But Thomas was not there when that happened. And so here's the story Thomas, and then John gives us the purpose of the entire book of John. Verse 24 of chapter 20. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And John adds this summary of his entire book. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, we ask that by your Holy Spirit and through your word this morning and the proclamation of it, you would show yourself to us and you would cause us to believe. For Christ's sake we pray, amen. I wonder if you've ever said a prayer like this. Jesus, I think I believe what the Bible says about you is true. But if you will just show up right here, right now, even for just a minute, show up physically, I will believe in you and I will never doubt you again. If you've ever just wished that you could see Jesus in the flesh right in front of you so that you would know for sure beyond the shadow of a doubt that he is who the Bible says he is, then you and I, because I've prayed that prayer many times, and Thomas have much in common. Look at what John said about Thomas. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, Thomas already knew a lot about Jesus, like many of us. Thomas was one of the 12 who just spent the last three years living with Jesus, watching him calm a raging storm, watching him walk on water, watching him send a swarm of demons into a pack of pigs, watching him touch lepers and make them clean, watching him make blind folks see and paralyzed folks dance for joy. And he even even raised sons and daughters and brothers from the dead. Thomas saw this. Thomas learned from Jesus as he pondered his parables and was amazed at the authority of his teaching. Thomas became hopeful for the kingdom that Jesus preached. Thomas rejoiced in the good news that the Messiah had finally come. Thomas was loyal to this Jesus. He once told his fellow disciples, let us also go with Jesus that we may die with him. He was ready to die with him. He was ready to die with him until the day when he saw Jesus die in humiliation, pinned to the cross like a common criminal, thorns in his scalp, spikes in his wrists and feet, a Spear jammed through into his side. Three years, all those hopes for this. And now they're telling me he's alive? Thomas knew a lot about Jesus, but but now all he wanted was for Jesus to show up and show him that he's alive. John goes on, this Thomas called the twin was not with them when Jesus came and showed up in the room with the other disciples just eight days ago on the evening of that day that they say he rose from the dead. Just like us, Thomas didn't get to see with his own eyes what they saw with theirs. And so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. And John is not saying that they just told him once, hey, Thomas, we saw the Lord. No. The words John is using says that they kept on telling Thomas, we have seen the Lord. 
we've seen the Lord. And they told him story after story. For eight days he heard their stories. The women who saw the empty tomb and heard the angel say, he's not here. He's risen just as he said. Surely they, they heard Mary Magdalene tell the story, probably with a little bit of laughter, saying, huh. uh, Jesus showed up near the tomb uh, after I was there and I saw it was empty. He, he showed up and I thought he was the graveyard gardener. <laughs> Can you believe that? I thought the Lord was a gardener. But he was so gentle with me. He was so kind to me. And he said, Mary. And when he said my name, I saw him. They told story after story, the huge stone that somehow got hurled away, the the empty tomb with folded burial cloths. Jesus appeared in this very room, Thomas. And the doors were all locked. I don't, do you know how he did it? I still don't know how he did that. But Thomas said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas knew Jesus better than any of us. And he had direct live eyewitness accounts of all, from all his friends. And yet he still wanted Jesus to show up for him and to show him that the Jesus who died is the Jesus who is alive. Thomas didn't want to simply hear about Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus and to touch Jesus and to know for certain that the Jesus he loves is alive. Many of you have been around the story of Jesus for a long time. You know a lot about him. But still, you'd just like to have him show up and show you a sign that he's all you've heard taught about him. John says that eight days later, eight days later, Jesus seems to like have people wait. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again in that same room, and, and Thomas was with them, still hanging out with them. He hasn't run away. It's the kind of doubt that doubts toward Jesus and not away from him. And John says that although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he turned to Thomas and answered every one of Thomas's demands with a command. He said, put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, Thomas, but believe. Jesus isn't rebuking Thomas for wanting him to show up and show himself. No, Jesus is pleased to give Thomas this desire of Thomas's heart. Jesus could have just said, I'm here, get over yourself, Thomas. But no, he says, come, here, if, if you want to touch me, touch me. But don't, don't keep disbelieving. 
Because Jesus wants to be seen. Jesus wants to be believed. Look at the tender and compassionate heart of Jesus for Thomas. It's as if Jesus is saying, Thomas, I love you. I want you to believe that I'm alive. So, so here, touch my hands. Put your hand in my side if you have to. But, but Thomas, my son, stop disbelieving what your brothers and sisters have been saying about me. It's time to stop holding your heart back from the truth, Thomas. Believe, Thomas. Trust me. I'm alive. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Imagine that for just a second. It doesn't say that he fell on his face, but what else would you do? My Lord, my God. No self-respecting Hebrew would call another man my God. But Thomas knew. And this is what happens to those who embrace Jesus as the one who is crucified whose love for sinners poured from his head and his hands and his feet and his side to forgive them. This is what happens to those who embrace Jesus as the one who was raised to life, who conquered the grave and defeated death so that we might walk in the newness of his life. Every heart that embraces this Jesus says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Because when you embrace this Jesus as he presents himself in this book, he becomes the sun in your solar system. And all the big and little planets of your life begin to revolve around him. The first time that happened to me was on a cold February Sunday, much like this almost February Sunday. 44 years ago, I was 10 years old. I was sitting in a a room, an auditorium at a church. All the doors were closed, like I had been doing for Sunday after Sunday for a while. And in that room, Jesus showed up and showed himself to me. My eyes were open and I saw that I was a great sinner, but I saw that Jesus is a great Savior who loves great sinners. And I trusted all that I knew about him with all that I knew about myself. And my heart said to Jesus for the first time, my Lord and my God. And it changed the direction of my life. And 44 years later, I'm still learning what it means that Jesus is my Lord and my God. So now wait, did Jesus actually show up in that room 44 years ago? With all the door closed, did he physically appear? Well, he he showed up, but not physically. What happened to me is what Jesus describes in verse 29. Jesus said to Thomas, Have you believed because you've seen me physically? Blessed. And that's a a word that's packed with all kinds of meaning. 
blessed. It means happy. It means content. It means whole. It means full. It means filled. Blessed, Jesus says, are those who have not seen and yet have believed. See, Jesus was talking about me in verse 29. He was thinking about me in verse 29. He was thinking about many of you in verse 29. Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. (laughs) Because none of us have seen what Thomas and the other disciples saw. I've not seen Jesus in his resurrected flesh like Thomas did, but I have believed like Thomas did. Jesus was telling Thomas, there will be others who will share the blessing that you now have in believing me. But they will still have that blessing without physically seeing him. How is this possible? How is it possible? How can I have the exact same blessing that those who saw him in person, risen from the dead, and put their fingers in the scars on his hands. How can I have the same blessing by not seeing him that they had? John explains it in the next two verses. He says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. All of these things that I've written, John says, are so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's how you see him. That's how Jesus shows up for the rest of us. He shows up in this book. Jesus shows up in the apostles' teaching about him. He shows up in the testimony of John and Thomas and the other apostles who testify and tell us about the life and the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to these disciples, showing them proof that he's not just a ghost or a hallucination, inviting them to touch him, asking them, give me some fish so I can eat and show you that I'm real. He showed them that what we call the Old Testament was all about him. And then the apostles wrote down their eyewitness testimony about all the things they saw in Jesus and heard from Jesus in what we call the New Testament. These were written so that you may have Jesus. These were written so that he may show up you. And listen, I love how John explained it in 1 John, uh, the first of his letters that we have. The first three verses, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, Jesus. The life was made Manifest, in other words, it was uncovered, it was revealed, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and which was made manifest to us. 
that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So yes, Jesus still shows up, and he still shows himself to people today. Jesus can get inside a locked room and a closed heart, but he does it through this book. That's how Jesus showed up for me that Sunday. Every Sunday I heard my pastor preach the good news about Jesus from the pages of the Bible. And one morning, Jesus came through those written words into my locked heart and opened the door from the inside. And he keeps doing that. He keeps showing up in this book when I read it and and hear it preached. When I look for him in the Bible, I can find him. I can find life in him. Remember, he said, you can search the scriptures because you think that you have eternal life in them. And you do, but it is they that bear witness to me, he said. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. We don't worship the Bible. We worship what the Bible reveals to us, Jesus. This is how he shows up for us. It took me years to learn this, but I don't read, study, or listen to this book to get God to love me. I do it to see him show me how much he loves me through Jesus. So what do we do with this? As I wrote this sermon, I I was particularly burdened in thinking about our young folks in this congregation, in this room, hopefully listening online, Um, thinking about me as a 10-year-old. I want to say to our young friends, our children and our teenagers, and young adults even, That just like Thomas, you have to come to a place where you trust that Jesus has died for your sin and that he rose from the dead to give you life. Look, you can learn from your parents' testimony about Jesus. You can learn a lot from that. You should. Just like Thomas listened to the disciples say over and over again, We've seen the Lord. We listen. (laughs) Listen to your parents. Listen to the rest of us in this church tell you we have seen, we have seen the Lord. But you can't just lean on their faith. You can't just lean on our faith. At some point, you have to trust him yourself. Jesus is showing up in this room every week in the preaching of his life and death and resurrection for you. Are you going to believe that he is who the Bible says he is? And when I say believe, I don't mean that you just go, that makes sense, that sounds good, I believe. No, no, no. Believing is, is when you, and if I had one, I'd, I'd do it, but it's when you take a chair and you look at a chair and you say, I believe Sorry, Eric. I believe that that chair will hold me up. It makes sense intellectually. I get it. 
I'm even actually excited about sitting down in it. But belief doesn't really come to its full fruition until you rest your body in the chair. Because it doesn't matter what you think about the chair or feel about the chair if you don't rest your whole life in it. That's what faith is. Rest your whole life in Jesus. Rest all of your life in him and say to him, you are my Lord and my God. And if you're here this morning or hearing this this morning and you've never done that before, I plead with you, rest in Jesus. But Thomas's story is also an, an encouragement to us parents and other adults who love these young ones. Remember, Jesus made Thomas wait eight days before he showed up. Parents, we have to wait on Jesus to show up. We don't stop telling our children the story about Jesus. We don't stop testifying that we have seen him in the scriptures. But we have to wait for Jesus to show up and unlock the doors of our children's hearts. I was thinking about this, and the disciples had to have been wondering, you know, day one, Jesus, Thomas really wants to see you. Day two, has anybody seen the Lord? Day three, where is he? Eight days he waited. And so parents and other adults, when when the Thomases in our life keep wondering when Jesus is going to show up and we keep telling them we've seen him in the scriptures, we also have to just wait on Jesus and pray and pray and pray and pray and say, Lord Jesus, would you show yourself to my son? Would you show yourself to my daughter, to my grandchild, to my friend? Sometimes we have to wait. I was thinking this week about someone who might be here this morning who says, Jimmy, I, I don't have Thomas's doubts about Jesus, but I'll be honest with you, I don't have Thomas's desire to see him either. I mean, I don't really have any problem with Jesus or believing him, but I just... I'm not that excited to know him. I'm sorry, I just don't feel it. Let me ask you this. Do you at least want to want him? Because it sounds like maybe you recognize that that's an issue. I, I don't disbelieve in Jesus, but I don't really desire him that much. That tells me that you might care <laughs> that you don't desire. And so it may, it may be that you want to want him, but you're just not feeling it. You keep praying that he will show up and, and make you want him, but, but he hasn't do it, done it yet. And so here's what I would tell you. Do what Thomas did. Remember, Thomas was with the disciples. 
He didn't run away from people who knew Jesus and kept telling him about Jesus. He stayed with them. So I would say to you, keep putting yourself in the place where Jesus is most, most likely to show up and show you he's real. Keep reading these things that the apostles have written so that you might believe, and by believing, you might have life in Jesus. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and humbly pray, Jesus, show me yourself. Please show me. And then I was thinking there might be someone else this morning who's thinking, okay, Jimmy, all this stuff about Jesus and uh, seeking Jesus in the apostles' teaching, that, that sounds great, that's nice. Um, uh, you know, I'm not really against it, but listen, <laughs> I've got a job that consumes my time and energy. I've got kids who need help with schoolwork, who need rides to practice and rehearsal. I've got a wife who tells me she needs my help and she needs my heart. I don't, what, I don't know what that means. I've got aging parents that need care. I can't afford to spend my time devoting myself to what the Bible says about Jesus. I've got things to do. And I get that. And, and I think that if Thomas and the other disciples were here, they would say, I hear you. I get it. But it's because of all those things that you can't afford not to devote yourself to learning Jesus and living in him and with him. The very reasons why you say you don't have time to devote yourself to him are the very reasons why you need to. Because these words were written so that you would have life in Jesus. He is your life. He is life. You can't afford not to know him. I can't tell you how many times I've begged Jesus in the middle of my fear and doubt and confusion to just show up, wrap his arms around me and say, I'm here, I'm alive, I'm real, it's going to be okay. All that you've heard about me from the Bible is true. You don't have to wonder anymore. You can believe me. And I think sometimes if only he would show me his strong, nail-scarred hands and say, even when you think you've lost your grip on me, look, I have you in my grip. And nothing and no one can snatch you out of these hands. You don't have to be afraid anymore. You can trust my heart for you. And Jesus does show up, not always when I want him to, but when, when like Thomas, I keep hanging around the disciples the apostles and their teaching, listening to their stories about Jesus, looking and listening for him in this book. He shows up and he shows me the signs of his love for me. And he says to me every day, I know you want to put your fingers in my nail-scarred hands and your hand in my side. And one day you're going to get to do that. But for now, Put your heart in these hands that were pierced for you and put your trust in my heart which was poured out for you. These words were written 
so that we might have Jesus. Father God, would you, would you make us believe? <laughs> make us come to those words again and again and again. And Jesus, would you show up in these words as we read them, as we hear them taught, as we hear them preached, as we talk about them with each other over a cup of coffee or in a Bible study. Jesus, would you, in these words that were written, show up, show us yourself so that we can embrace you and find life. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.